the times never felt so good. So good, so good, so good. <laughs> All right. You are listening to the number one source for Michigan sports, WCBN 88.3 FM Ann Arbor. If you are an undergraduate who would like to get involved with the sports department, email us at sports at wcbn.org. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And I guess we'll talk a little bit about the British elections here. Kind of interesting. It's, uh, I'm sure you heard a little bit about this uh, Jade Helm 15 uh, Conspiracy getting weird. It's uh, got to be made into an instant Monty Python movie, I think. Mandrake, the redcoats are coming. John Cleese is already crafting it into something. Whenever you've got Louis Gohmert and Chuck Norris involved in <laughs> a conspiracy theory, watch out. Uh, Mike Huckabee uh, joins the race. Uh, he's a classic combination of Gomer Pyle and frosty the snowman but uh, he'll be a bit and of a contender in Dorothy all the dorfus too in all seriousness <laughs> not too worried about carly fiorini she's just out there to throw some spears at uh, hillary clinton and she's been missing the mark but uh maybe the british elections uh you know the british system of government is somewhat fascinating they have parliamentary democracy but unlike most uh, Western democracies that have so-called proportional representation, they have a winner-take-all system, sort of like America. So very often the governing party is a minority party, usually. <laughs> I think Cameron got 30, 36, 37% of the vote. So usually the uh, leader of Great Britain is, was actually not voted in favor of by like five-eighths of the people, sometimes even more. But this was a very interesting election uh, because I think it presages some of the issues uh, that we'll see here in the United States in 2016. UKIP uh, only got one seat, but they certainly played a role in uh, uh, the outcome of the election. The big loser, of course, was Nick Clegg, the Liberal Democratic Party was literally wiped off the map. They were part of the coalition government that uh, David Cameron had headed over the last several years. And Cameron, quite frankly, is just a, a little bit more polished, skillful leader than Ed Miliband, who's obviously decided to resign as head of the Labor Party. Labor got wiped out in Scotland and probably were hurt in the southern part of Great Britain by UKIP uh, that is running on an anti-EU, anti-immigrant, uh, quasi-racist uh, 
platform. Yeah, there's you know the extent to which some of this is is potentially linkable to emotional or psychological fallout from the failed attempt from Scotland to sever off. Yeah, so it's strange that the Scottish vote failed, but the Scottish National Party in the north that uh, has been a stronghold of labor over the past uh, 100 years even, uh, all went for the Scottish National Party. Mm -hmm. So labor got wiped out in the north by the Scottish Nationalists. And obviously the Green Party hurt labor here and there, but uh, this is a big defeat for trade unionism, so to speak. Uh, the declining powers of unions, both in Britain and the United States, continues. Somewhere Maggie Thatcher is cackling with glee. She is. And uh, Cameron, quite frankly, is just a little, you know, he's a little more polished. He co-opted labor on some issues uh, and co-opted UKIP on some issues. And an ironic twist, I actually think also the difficulty of Benjamin Netanyahu to form a government... May have Increasingly, helped. Increasingly uh, difficult. I mean, he's got a one-seat yeah. uh, plurality, and plurality, of course, is what the British system is all about. Economic issues overall were, I think, almost absent from the campaign. It was really about the EU, Scottish nationalism, immigration, and uh, sort of a continuing debate about austerity. Uh, the economic performance of the conservative-slash-liberal-democratic coalition over the last several years has not been really that impressive. But I think at the end of the day, uh, Ed Miliband just kind of comes across as a kind of a, I don't know, angry, sort of upset, sophomoric kind of fella. And there's even a classic picture of the British uh, trio um, a couple of days after the election where they were basically at a World War II VE Day celebration. Laying a wreath of poppies. Laying a wreath of poppies. And you can see Ed Miliband sort of scowling at Cameron. Nick Clegg looks uh, completely lost. Um, downcast. There's nothing else to say. I mean, the Liberal Democratic Party, I think, has even more serious... Uh, uh, future question marks uh, because the conservatives have even co-opted many of their issues. It's important to realize that the conservatives or the so-called Tories in Great Britain in no way, shape, or form resemble the Republicans uh, here in the United States. They're kind of a conservative Democrat, liberal Republican version of what they used to be. And uh, Frankly, David Cameron is just kind of a warm, fuzzy kind of kind of guy compared to Miliband. And Clegg is uh, a befuddled uh, befuddled leader that's out of the system. He served as the so-called deputy prime minister the last several years. So, well, I mean, increasingly we see in these high-profile election campaigns where it really is about performance, uh, about perceived. Uh, Attitudes and personality types. Mm -hmm. The ridiculous uh, yet uh, familiar question. Gee, which one would you rather have a beer with? Right. Uh, that's not a basis on which to elect a chief executive, but that's where the pitch is made and where much of the appeal is received. I get a good feeling in my gut about this guy. Uh, it has nothing to do with nothing. 
but uh, appearances. Appearances and personalities. And, of course, luckily, British elections for their public, uh, everyone was talking about how boring the campaign was. They don't last quite as long. Well, that's a good point. It's a very short process over there. And, God, I wish we had a shorter one here. They even have a law that prohibits campaigning on the last day. So there's a kind of a, you know, relief is is on the horizon. So let's face it, the Toffs, the bankers, and the petty bourgeoisie won this election. And as for the Labor Party, you know, it's there's obviously going to be an, an intellectual debate about how they repackage their message. Uh, I think Miliband did make a very good statement in resigning in the leadership by saying that he did think that there needed to be a party that represented the working class. Uh, the well, question really is becoming, what is the working class? Who are they? What do they aspire to be? And why on earth are, are so many, uh, shall we say, par- members of the lumpen proletariat voting for either the conservative Republicans here in the United States or the Tories in Britain? As for the UKIP uh, character, uh, he's... Uh, taking some time off we don't really need to talk too much about their message well uh final comment on the british labor party just as you were discussing that i the quote went off in the back of my head uh, hunter s thompson uh, in a sort of an open letter to then head of the democratic party here in, in the states uh, larry o'brien um after the dismal failure of the 1968 uh, campaign uh, Humphrey Humphrey, who Hunter Thompson uh, f- famously hated and despised, maybe even more than Nixon, uh, said to in this open letter to Larry O'Brien, "Larry, remember the Whigs." That's good advice. Yes, indeed. And it's W H I G S for those who nodded off during that moment in American history class. Well, and also it's a funny because, of course, in Britain they were called Whigs as well. Before they were called right. labor, uh, the Tories have been around for a long time. But uh, the economic uh, agenda of Great Britain uh, regarding austerity, I don't know how successful that is. I mean, I was actually looking at some of the numbers of Great Britain's economic performance over the last five five years, and it's rather amazing that... Uh, Cameron won. You know, they, they, they'll talk a lot about the polling being off... But uh, David Runciman uh, had an interesting analysis before the election on, in the London Review of Books dated the 7th of May, in which he pointed out uh, this kind of interesting sort of statistic or historical fact about British politics. He wrote, if you think the Tories should win, uh, you can point to the fact that almost no government in the modern era has been turfed out of office after only one term. The exception is Heath's 1970-74 administration. So unless you think Cameron is Heath, and maybe he is, then everything suggests that he will be given another term. That pretty much sums it up. Mm. Uh, Interestingly about Heath, his replacement was Margaret Thatcher. And if you saw the old Monty Python episodes in the late 60s, early 70s, uh, the uh, Pythoners were already ridiculing mm-hmm. 
Margaret Thatcher. I believe Michael Palin usually played her. <laughs> but you have to wonder why the, uh, you know, the, uh, the classic Monty Python skits where they have the two uh, women sitting on the park bench. Oh, yeah, uh, Mrs. Premise and Mrs. Conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> the shoppers. Right. Those are the people voting for the Tories. You know, yeah. they, they sit there, they gossip, they <laughs> grumble, they... <laughs> They talk about hairdos and God knows what else, tea and crumpets and all the weird things about the British way of life. Um, the sun was setting on the British Empire long before <laughs> they realized it. Suddenly uh, it was dark. <laughs> but it's fascinating the way Cameron was able, uh, as part of the election, to almost distance himself from the United States. He did that even fairly successfully, trying to link Miliband to uh, Tony Blair, even though Miliband was more of the Gordon Brown faction. Well, some of that stink from W uh, that rubbed off onto Tony Blair it still has a toxicity to it, yeah. I mean, clearly. <laughs> it, it's amazing. And, of course, uh, there's still an ongoing debate about uh, British and even the, the European contribution to NATO. It's interesting that I discovered in sort of, you know, following the uh, British election over the past several weeks that the United States actually pays for 70% of NATO's Which, budget. by the way, we haven't had occasion to mention in a few months, serves no further purpose right. anymore for some decades now. So uh, why NATO continues to not only exist, but to expand into realms of the globe Rather remote from the North Atlantic area, originally premised by the treaty organization. Yeah, so, and of course, the, the invasion absurd. of Europe, it, it's, at this point, it's not the Russians you have to worry about. It's the migrants. It's right. all the people fleeing uh, the Middle East and Africa. North Africa, yeah. This is a real problem. This is not going away. It's going to get worse before it goes away. Yeah. And this is a, a genuine problem for the EU, uh, these countries that are... Dealing with, uh, you know, rescuing the migrants in the rough, choppy waters of the Mediterranean. Uh, doesn't get too smooth in the Mediterranean for a while yet. Um, you know, are the very countries that are in economic dire straits. It's very difficult, for instance, for a country like Spain or Greece that have unemployment rates mm -hmm. of 25% to be dealing with destitute migrant workers coming from another part of the globe. There's already been an increase in the uh, anti-immigrant sentiment throughout Europe. Yeah. Even famously progressive and liberal uh, Netherlands has taken a harsh and ugly uh, turn to the right with regards to uh, the way, uh, you know, even certified legitimate immigrants, be they refugees or students or whatever, are treated. And as for Nick Farage, you know, he may as well go back to uh, his uh, seaport uh, residence. I think he lives on the sea somewhere. One of those fishing villages that's been crushed over the years by uh, automation, modern uh, fishing technology that uses bigger nets and whatnot. Mm. These labor-intensive businesses in many of these uh, towns has just wiped out the uh, economic viability of their future existence. He may as well go back and put on a Scottish kilt and have a hot toddy. <laughs> Do scenic tours through the moors. Maybe he can join 
the Texas National Guard. Uh, Houston, uh, we have a problem. The Redcoats are coming. Here comes the U.S. Army. This uh, this is almost so funny. It's got every element of comedy beyond belief. The uh, continuing saga of Jade Helm 15. Where the Pentagon comes up with these names is uh, anybody's guess, but Jade Helm 15 sounds like a porn star to me. <laughs> Not uh, to be confused with Darren Helm 43. <laughs> he plays for the Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> Speedy skater. But, uh, yeah, a war game scenario in which uh, Texas and Utah and Southern California are characterized as enemy territory. Is, well, uh, they have been used as film locations for uh, either off-planet sites or particularly hostile terrain, uh, Afghanistan. You know, it's doubled for Afghanistan, so... Texanistan. So anyway, to make a long story short, the uh, <clears throat> Pentagon uh, proposed some war games in the state of Texas later this summer. Somehow the Texas governor, uh, Greg Abbott, got wind of this and started having town meetings. You throw in Chuck Norris, uh, Louis Gohmert, Ted Cruz... Uh, I You know, the only people missing are the Ku Klux Klan, well, Winnie the Pooh, and... Bozo the Clown. <laughs> and John Birch. Don't forget John Birch, the first victim of international communism. So Greg Abbott Texan. issues a basically a National Guard executive order in which the National Guard is supposed to monitor the U.S. Army who he believes is trying to take over Texas. So <laughs> this is very much a General Jack D. Ripper scenario where I hope these boys will put up a good defense. That's right. Boy. Look at those commie forces. They look just like ours. It's sort of like the war games that they, they, they have in uh, Catch-22, the movie. You know, it's, it's sort of a similar thing. You know, they... Right. Well, <laughs> someone's going to figure out pretty quick. I mean, probably, what's, what's her name? Pam Gellert, uh, the organizer <laughs> of that uh, uh, offensive art, uh, quote-unquote, free speech uh, fantasy land thing uh, that was, you know, resulted in a shooting. Um, hey, if we could get you know ISIS to pay us to attack the U.S. forces here in Texas, it would be a victory for Texas. That's right. So someone's probably hatching that as a scheme. Of course, the whole scenario, the war game itself, is ridiculous because it's premised on ISIS coming across the Rio Grande. Just like the Sandinistas were supposed to do. Which, by the way, is, is drying up. I don't know if you've seen some of the pictures of the Rio Grande, but it's... Uh, in the western part, it'll it's, be a so, ditch before uh, too much longer. It's coming down to a trickle. So, yeah, this is uh, almost beyond belief. Uh, Louis Gomert, of course, uh, it's hard to describe this man. He's, he's actually a congressman. <laughs> Maybe the weirdest guy in Washington. <laughs> Maybe. He is, uh, I think, a refugee from an insane asylum somewhere. <laughs> he's one of those guys that he, he looks like a... Hard-boiled egg with some fur on the side of his head. <laughs> and he is dense. Uh, to quote Molly, or paraphrase Molly Ivins, the famous uh, nation columnist from Texas. <clears throat> he needs to be watered a couple of times a day. <laughs> I think that's how you keep the, uh, the hair growing on the side. <laughs> 
But uh, Louis Gohmert caught wind of this, and he is uh, particularly troubled by Texas, Utah, and parts of Southern California being lab- labeled as hostile. He said that, quote, because the Obama administration believed that, quote, the major threats to the country include those who support the Constitution, are military veterans, or even cling to guns or religion, patriotic Americans have every reason to be concerned. <laughs> okay. Well, they'll be wanting to uh, re-enliven uh, their vendetta against Bugs Bunny, too, no doubt, who once famously sawed off Florida. And Chuck Norris, the conservative... Sage. <laughs> Texas Ranger, right? Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh, okay. I, I've never seen a Chuck Norris movie, but he's... Not many people have. <laughs> he's well, sort of more known through his reputation for making these movies than actually people watching them. Well, yeah, I don't know who shows up as anybody's, as, is beyond anybody's guess, but his conservative website, the WND, said, quote, those who are pulling the strings at the top of Jade Helm 15 back in Washington... Walmart has responded as well. This involves Walmart. If, if, you, if you don't get the drift of it, Walmarts were supposed to be used to house political prisoners who are going to be captured by the U.S. Army when they take over Texas. I hope I end up in the housing goods section. <laughs> so Walmart is in on the conspiracy. Uh, this is uh, incredible stuff, and... Quite frankly, needs to be made into a movie almost instantly. I think that the uh, Texas National Guard can uh, feature the slogan, Stupidity is our profession. Yeah, right. Well, didn't Michael Moore make that? Canadian Bacon was the name of it, a, a, a film about a fictitious war between America and Canada. And, uh, yeah, that was not as funny as this one. Uh, not yet a film. So stay tuned for future developments regarding the takeover of Texas by the American military and upcoming war games. Uh, meanwhile, it's uh, troubling that, of course, uh, <clears throat> the reality, and we just saw an, an incident in Texas in which there was uh, some shooting, some rooting, tooting, shooting going on involving uh, Pam Geller. Yeah, and her so-called American Freedom Defense Initiative, who ran this free speech, is what they wanted to call it, uh, contest, Mm -hmm. a $10,000 prize for a picture of Muhammad. Um, Obviously, this is merely an inflammatory gesture. Sure. Uh, Why ISIS doesn't begin some sort of, draw a picture of Jesus sitting on the toilet and win a free cheeseburger (laughs) sort of a contest, I don't know, but... Um, well, this featured, of course, two uh, troubled uh, idiots from the state of Arizona, I believe, who, who drove on over to went to enemy territory, do some shooting, <laughs> right? Did some shooting, and they were uh, actually armed with uh, A-15s, as I recall, uh, assault rifles, and were shot by an alert uh, man with a pistol. Uh, but it the, was Texas, after all. It was. Thankfully, he. Attended target. Track. I wonder, has it been uh, explored whether or not these uh, gentlemen who drove to Texas to do the revenge shooting, they were baited into it, obviously. Um, they made the choice to, to make this response. Did they uh, 
get their weapons through proper channels? Of course. Are they licensed fully? That's, that's what's remarkable. That's the beauty of our system. Yeah. This is what's remarkable. Yeah. Mary Lewis Grow, the co-founder and board member of Project Minnesota, a nonprofit organization that works to prevent gun violence, notes that a government accountability office, and this is dated from an editorial uh, dated uh, the 26th of February in the New York Times, noted that the um, a February report stated that between 2004 and December, February 2004 and December uh, 2014, individuals on the watch list, this is the terrorist watch list, because one of these guys was, was on, it. on yes. the FBI terrorist watch list, attempted to purchase firearms or explosives on 2,233 occasions, and more than 90% of the time, they cleared a background check and received approval to buy. Yikes. So there you go. It's uh, it's a system that works. Uh, why fix it? It's uh, it's incredible. So, of course, this moron that was shot. Uh, hmm. I'm trying to keep all the gun arguments straight here. He was armed with an A-15 to protect himself from the government, but he got outshot by a guy with a pistol. Hmm. <laughs> uh something's wrong there but so be it thankfully he was shot uh, <laughs> yeah you actually have to sometimes that's really the best scenario there can be on there, yeah no yeah. messy trials or uh, closing arguments by clarence darrow or <laughs> uh, jimmy stewart or any other uh, characters that might appear in the upcoming farce regarding uh jade helm 15 it's just got the ring of a movie already it, yeah. it really does it's it's incredible but uh yeah this is all very troubling and as for pam geller we'll just give her a general brain damage award of course in response to the incident she said this proved our point <laughs> we need to assert our first amendment rights with these nonsensical well, uh yeah, hate-oriented uh, contests that are have nothing to do with free speech. The and, uh, bulk of the media gets a brain damage award too for their sort of blithe equation of what is clearly meant to be hate speech with free speech. Yeah, because there is a distinction between fighting words and free speech. I mean, sometimes you say things to people, and they will punch you in the face for it, or if they're armed, shoot you. Uh, and when you purposefully set out merely to offend, uh, that's not really what free speech is about. Um, <clears throat> it's just a whole nut job carnival, too, because uh, the aforementioned uh, right wingers in the Netherlands, Geert Wilders, uh, one of the most uh, <clears throat> anti-Islamic uh, European politicians uh that's out there was the guest speaker so he gets to walk away from this saying yes you know they really hate me because i'm such an effective hater so all the wrong people benefit from this event in texas no free speech goals are attained or served and uh, i don't know where louis gohmert was but dude you you got to Get off the burrow. That burrow is a little too slow in responding to these uh, these gun emergencies. 
<laughs> oh, oh boy. Yeah, I'm looking for the right quote from the good, the bad, and the ugly, and it's just failing me here. <laughs> you need to shoot, shoot, don't talk. That's right. <laughs> We're uh, being told by our uh, faithful engineer, Tex, that uh, we got a couple of minutes left in today's program uh, pro- by the way if you if you do want to see weirdness about texas uh, there is a there is a movie showing tomorrow night <laughs> courtesy of wcbn down at uh, the arbor brewing company oh yes in which texas plays a key role and edgar Allan poe is involved so <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a classic cult movie it's a to winning me. combo uh, it's probably a little too early to tell what all the possible ramifications are of this alleged snub from the new Saudi king oh, right. who does not want to go to Camp David. I don't know really if that's anything to get too worried about. I suspect that the Saudis probably need us more than we need them. <clears throat> and uh, God knows that uh, while the one hand has been friendly and shaken ours, the other hand has done some pretty bizarre backstage maneuvers. Well, he and he might even be worried about a coup. Uh, Stalin. Uh, yeah, this is all just posturing you know, and sort of rearranging, repositioning. It's interesting that Stalin refused to leave uh, the Soviet Union during World War II to meet Roosevelt on mm-hmm. several occasions. He did compromise on Tehran uh, in late 1943, only because Great Britain and Russia occupied Iran at the time. But uh, yeah, the 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 new king uh, may be worried about a coup. I don't know. I don't know whether it's a snub or not. The crown prince is going to be there, but uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, maybe the ever-changing chess pieces in the very complex region known as the Middle East. (laughs) Who knows? Well, that'll probably do it for this week's edition of Gray Matters. Thanks again to Tex for engineering. And do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is coming up next right here on this fine station. WCBN-FM Ann Arbor Weston is on the board. This is Christine Balfa with the group Balfa Toujours. You're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. vision of peace and global unity alive with sounds and music from all the cultures of all the people all over the world. That music is destructive. That music if we had good music playing for people in a happy society on the streets, you know? I feel like uh, my music uh, I have a new record coming out. Or it's like, well, maybe this time they'll hear it. Good evening. The time is now 7.01. 
And this is Yazoo City Calling, our weekly tribute to the down-home blues, broadcasting to you live every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. here on 88.3 FM WC.